This time loop thing. How did you get out of it? I simply boosted the circuits and broke free. You came back of your own accord? Well, I... Doctor? No. No, I'm afraid not. Now, obviously, the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. Everybody and welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions of the world, and I have to deal with them. Except not this week, because we're um, we're on series twelve review episodes for the next uh, for the next nine weeks. Um, I this is the second time I've recorded this intro. The first time I absolutely nailed it. There was this really funny bit where I dropped uh, a packet of toilet rolls on the floor. Um, and I was all I was fumbling around trying to pick them up. It was really really kooky, um, but there was too much wind on the recording. So um, I bet you're sorry you're missing out on that. Um, but anyway, uh, last night I watched Spyfall Part Two um, with two of my friends, uh, Johnny and Kath. Uh, you may, may remember them from last year uh, on the Woman Who Fell to Earth review. Um, they're not Doctor Who fans in the same way that I am. Um, so I thought it would be interesting again to hear kind of how they felt about the story. Um, I also just want to flag up that uh, Kath is my significant other and she would never ordinarily allow me to have an hour-long conversation with her uh, about Doctor Who. Um, so it was great to take advantage of um, of the podcast um, and, and uh, talk her into doing that uh, for the second time. So that's good. Um... For the most part, I I try my best um, to steer the conversa- conversation towards positivity, um, but there are obviously things we didn't like uh, about the uh, about the story. There are lots of things we did like um, too, um, but it's a it, I, I I would like to hope uh, that it is a balanced chat. I mentioned last week uh, that I I won't be getting every single one of these out on a Monday. It's just not doable um, in terms of actually doing other things in my life and arranging to meet with the guests and everything. Um, so they'll just come out when they come out uh, through the course of the week. And I hope that's okay with everybody. I think that's all the admin uh, for this week. I hope you all enjoyed Spyfall. Um, I hope you all had lovely Christmases. And without further ado, here is my conversation about Spyfall parts one and two with Johnny and Kath. Okay. Is this going live? Let's make a proper start. Imagine if this was going live. <laughs> Brilliant. To every phone in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> Are we ready? Yeah. So we're back again for the reviews of Doctor Who. Um, a change in the usual Galactic Yo-Yo programming. Uh, back for Series 12. Are you finding something funny, Johnny? Okay, um, I've got two uh, two guests this week who are not taking the whole thing very seriously. Uh, they're back. You may remember them from last year, or I guess the year before, in terms of uh, annual uh, 
calendar years. Um, we've got Johnny. Hello. Say hello. hello everybody. And Kath. Hello. Uh, Johnny and Kath are not Doctor Who fans, um, but they are Doctor Who viewers sometimes. Is that correct, Johnny? I'd call myself a fan who drops off and have, uh, now am a fan again. Great. Kath, what would you call yourself? Um, I would call myself um, the Notwee. The Notwee. So they're both Notwee. I guess that's what this episode is going to be. A not we? Title. <laughs> so the the a Notwee is somebody who's who's kind of not a member of Doctor Who fandom in an, in a kind of in the way I am. All right, I yeah. feel very included. Great. So <laughs> um, we uh, watched. We each watched Spyfall Part One separately. And then we we came together just now and watched uh, Spy Four. We watched Part One part together, two. didn't we? We did, but that was the second time I'd seen it. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and okay, let's make a start by talking about um, Episode One because we watched Episode One together last year, The Woman Who Fell to Earth. Let's talk about um, how our feelings differed from last year's opener in terms of this one. Let's start with Johnny. So I'm to be honest, I'm trying to remember back to how I felt about that first one. I think that first one, so much of it was in your head establishing Jodie Whittaker. You know what is her character as the Doctor going to be like? Sure. And then this one was really different in that she came on immediately, and you, you whatever qualms you might have about the last series, you came on, and actually she has sort of established herself as a Doctor quite sort of strongly, and you, you it was like a very strong episode for her. I actually thought her performance was at yeah. its best uh, last last week in the in the New Year's Day one. I thought she, it was better than anything she'd done last year, and maybe that's just because she's had time to kind of ruminate on what she's done. What think did you about. think was good about it? I just thought it was. I thought it was similar to what she'd been like in Series Eleven, but just more. It felt more confident. It had a confidence to it. Um, I actually kind of didn't feel like that this week as much, but. On Wednesday, I really felt like that. There's that scene where she um, she has the standoff with Lenny Henry outside the party. I Ooh, really that was felt great, like yeah. that was her really coming into her own. Yeah, you loved that. It was really good. Did you did enjoy that, Kath? You're smirking, but not. Um, <laughs> this is a smirk-free zone. What was your um, takeaway compared to last year's opener, Kath, with the Spyfall Part One? Let's talk about Part One in terms of that, not Part Two. Um, I really like Part One. I love a pastiche, mm. and I loved all the spy elements. I thought actually the ensemble companions worked well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with that kind of. I don't know why, because that's not really true of James Bond. But there's kind of. I think it works having all the the gang there, which I know definitely compared to part to last year's one that didn't really work i didn't i felt like it was really awkward when they all joined yeah and then kind of i guess last year they were establishing the characters whereas this year they were just checking back in they sort of Mm. did do a thing where they re-established the characters we Mm. we checked in with each one of them and reminded the viewer i felt that was really deliberate especially on new years uh uh, from chris jobner with him being like okay there were going to be people watching today who didn't watch at all last year. And mm. that's maybe why he felt the need to do those very efficient kind of character check-ins at the start of the episode. Yeah. I thought that actually one of the things that came out, I, to be honest, I hate pastiche. Actually, uh. no, that's wrong. Actually, do you know what I thought about immediately? I've realised. 
I like pastiche when it's done in a really different way. And I think that the example that I'd give of another BBC drama that I think does p- pastiche in a way better way than Doctor has recently tried is Inside Number Nine, mm. where because you've got um, two incredibly, like Reese and Steve writing that, mm-hmm. who are incredibly strong writers with a c- really clear style, Steve like eh? super clear style. <laughs> I know him closely, actually. <laughs> Once shook Reese's hand. <laughs> um, not to name drop, uh, Reese Shearsmith. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, so, so it's like a really clear writing style on that show, and they that, their whole shtick is that each show, each episode is a new pastiche usually, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but their writing style really predominates, and just their kind of characters show through really strongly. Mm. And in this case, I don't know, it just felt a little bit like the Doctor Whoiness got lost in some of the James Bond moments. It's it sort of just became a generic show kind of putting on James Bond elements at the beginning yeah. and wasn't like fundamentally Doctor Who with a spy theme. It the Doctor Whoiness became sort of silliness. It yeah. came it became like the It was like wacky and by the way it's actually aliens instead yeah. of this is fundamentally an alien Doctor Who it program and it's going like oh but there's sort of a spy element in it. Yeah, it also didn't um it felt like it walked through the sp- the stuff that a Bond pastiche mm. needs. So it did Casino, it did Succeedos, it did like Bond villain, it did all those things. Mm. But it didn't do what a good parody or good pastiche or good deconstruction does, where it mm. deconstructs mm. that stuff. It didn't yeah. go like it just used it well, as ornamentation. What, what does Doctor yeah. Who yeah. do? Like, whereas in previous seasons, I, I'm gonna try and stop doing my constant. If Stephen Moffat or Rusty Davies was in charge, it would have been a lot year. better, though. <laughs> I I don't want to do that, but but it would have been but, a lot better. But they would have kind of they took those genres apart, whereas this kind of just walked you through the genre. Exactly, mm. uh, like to do exactly what you just said, Stephen watching Dracula. Yes. Um, which is obviously another. I don't even know if you call that a pastiche. It's not, is it? It's just a. It, no, but it is a it is a deconstruction of a genre. Yeah, and sure. they're constantly talking about the 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 vampire mythos. Um, yeah, mm. and then saying what is and isn't true, and the ways that it like fits in with and contradicts the yeah, vampire yeah, yeah. myth is like really clever, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. they do it really well, and it completely serves the story as well as. I don't know. I just feel like it worked really well. Definitely, definitely. Mm. Whereas um, I don't. Yeah, I agree that it was all. It was decoration. It was like a theme almost. And then, especially given this second episode, do you mind if we talk about the second episode? We can touch on it. We'll okay, we'll so, we'll so, so given that, I don't think the spy elements of the second episode were very well resolved. That actually, in no. in the long run, actually the spy elements that started off this whole double episode ends up being the most inconsequential to the actual finale. Mm-hmm. I it, yeah, it, I kind of like that about it, though, actually. But it's sort of, all these elements are actually, fundamentally, if you look at what the storyline was, basically were irrelevant. Mm. It got cast off completely. Yeah, like it was just yeah. a bit of garnish instead of a take. But I think that's kind of, to me, if we're going to talk about, and let's do that, actually, because mm. that was my plan, is to talk about what did it do right. Yeah, and I think actually one of the things it did right for me is that it did the thing you should always do with a Doctor Who two-parter, which is where you 
um, where the second part is completely different to the first part. So it's not it w- didn't feel like two halves of a whole really, mm. and that's what you should always do. Otherwise, it otherwise it doesn't really work. Mm. Um, and it also did the thing of so if you're gonna do that thing where you walk through the genre uncritically, mm. then actually maybe Chris Chibnall knew he was doing that because that discarding of that shtick in the in part two is maybe him going, okay, yeah, you you thought you were getting this, mm. but actually you're getting this kind of cool th- off the wall. Yeah. But I think to really like nail that down and to say like we're like to kind of be in control of how you're using mm-hmm. that pastiche, you've got to recall it in some really clever way in the second part. Yeah. Or come back to it at the end or something. But it, it totally yeah, it by the end of that episode yeah. was another Doctor Who episode and it yeah. was on Gallifrey. Like it was not yeah. spiteful well, anymore. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Because it was it was in the first episode a bit unsatisfying and then instead of it becoming unsatisfying but sort of fine because it was all part of a like a big genre bending thing, instead mm. it was unsatisfying and also and also relevant ultimately. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, true. Sorry, we haven't said what was what they're Should doing. Should we talk right? about what's good? Should we <laughs> yeah, talk about what's yeah, good? Yeah. So, um, the performances on the whole, I thought were really good. I don't know whether mm. you guys agree. Yeah. Big fan of the master. Even before the reveal, I was. Yeah. I remember in my head thinking he's fa- like. It's it's funny in the moments up until the reveal when he's just running to get on the plane. I remember having the thought of going, "Oh, he's fantastic. I hope he co- becomes like a recurring character." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and then finding out who's the master was a yeah. great twist. What did we think of the performance as the master? Um, I wasn't... I really liked it until he... And then, like, when he was doing that kind of giggly reveal thing, and you could see Missy in that, I think. Yeah, definitely. What's her name? Sue White's performance. Michelle, Michelle Gomez. Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> um, For the uninitiated, um, Sue White is the character Michelle Gomez plays in Green Wing. The best mm. show ever. Um, you should make Green Wing Yoyoka. What does that mean? Just like people could come on and tell you about their Green Wing unpopular opinions. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Green Wing Yoyo. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> are we meant uh, to be giving unpopular opinions? No, no. Is that no, a thing? Absolutely not. Uh, that are we aba- I abandon that for the ten weeks that the show is on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, All right. Okay, that's good. So mm. only popular opinions this for the rest <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> this is only boring takes from now on. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. Um, I'm glad they used the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought after that, I found him too pantomime villain. Like when, when you're not doing the James Bond thing anymore, he stopped being... And you already had the, the villain with Lenny Henry. I didn't really understand their relationship with one another. No, no me neither. Yeah. Um, and I thought that he... When he was doing all that fake crying about Gallifrey, I just like uh, like I knew he was lying, but but he wasn't lying. Oh no, he wasn't lying. But she said you're lying. Uh-huh. Hmm. But the way he'd acted, that just felt like no. But it was fake because he was he wasn't lying about the um, Gallifrey being all destroyed and everything. But he was lying about, about being sad about being it. Sad about Why, it yeah. He didn't. yeah. Well, I think he might actually still genuinely be sad about it from the. It seems like there's a lot of turmoil going through him yeah. at the moment. I, I, I really didn't mind the pantomime villain thing because that's always kind of what the master has been. That's kind yeah, of his no, whole thing. Yeah, no, but I think, I don't know. I just, thing. I just didn't think as a performance it was that great. I think you can do that really well, uh-huh. but I just found it a bit cringe. It, he never had the menacing 
element that was really think, present in other depictions. Well, I think yeah. he did actually, but I think it. I think it re- relied on misogyny, and that's and that's the thing I didn't like about it. Oh, that one moment, yeah. It that, was a yeah. bit like there was a bit. There was bits of that in the in John Sim's performance. The implication is that with a lot of the stuff John Sim did, that he there's a few lines where he um, is kind of vaguely homophobic towards Captain Jack, and he's racist towards Martha, and he um, is like super misogynistic mm. and beats his wife and everything. And then they kind of. It's a bit, it was a bit of a lazy take then. Mm. And then they reinvented the character with Missy. And then this seems like... It just seems kind of cheap mm. to go yeah. down the, the misogyny angle. And the angle. weird, like... The kneeling thing. The kneeling, kneeling yeah. comfortable. Weirdly referential of Fleabag. Mm. <laughs> and then it, was very, it was very well performed, but I don't think I would have... I don't even Gone think it was there. that well performed. I don't but think I we also should think the doctor like that. that there's like no chemistry between those two, and that might just be because it was the first episode. Yeah. But I think you've got to have like real crackle between them, and I just don't think there was any. Okay. They never felt in that moment when they were talking about Gallifrey, when they've you've had previous conversations between the doctor and the master. There's that sense of this is a huge and a, an ongoing discussion, and this is yeah. You you get that real sense that these are characters that have been fighting and having it out on these points for centuries yeah and that that felt almost like the first time they spoke about it yeah Yeah. there was was a lightness to it that it shouldn't have really had and i think the thing that was missing for me was and this is probably something that you guys won't have picked up on because you kind of sat the peter capaldi era out but yeah missy missy had like this huge should have written it better missy was pretty much redeemed at the end of her story and she was in it. She was pretty much the main villain of kind of of all three Capaldi seasons. Mm. Yeah. There was a huge thing with her, and then you know, t- uh, as far as the Doctor was concerned, she was dead, and like they didn't engage with any of that kind of uh, yeah. storyline. Which I get why, because Chris Chibnall knows that lots of people that won't know about that mm. but it, it gave it a weird like johnny said like lightness that was like mm. why is she not asking him like even like when missy first came in it and she revealed that she was missy there was they didn't have to dwell on it but there was a conversation about like wait where have you been how did you get here yeah yeah and th- that conversation never happened between no. uh, and uh, that the draws and the more attention to the kind of like dipping in and out the doctor who obviously has to do yeah I think, like, there's a lot of, like, oh, like, bodged timey-wimey-ness or whatever. Yeah. But I think um, I think it just felt like, where's he come from? What's, what's he doing? There was just, there was no, like, sense of anything being sort of predetermined and... It, it really felt as yeah. if you could have had this story... Without any of the Missy stories having happened, yeah, you could, you literally could have gone straight. Maybe from that was the point. Maybe that, that was, was the point. Yeah, but it, but it kind of, it's a bit shit for yeah. the character, really. It but was bland. Even with that, though, I felt, I, I was really glad when they finally reached that point and he started talking about Gallifrey for the first time. When uh, the Doctor finally asked, "Why are you doing this?" Because mm. there mm. is that element. I think they've tried to reintroduce the Master for those who don't haven't necessarily got the backstory. But then they've also not really taken the time to say, well, why? What is the master's motive mm. as well? Like, mm. it didn't really feel like the master had that strong a motive to be doing. To be honest, I'm still not really sure what. 
what yeah what the plan what was. actually the big plan was I what were they lost track by the end what yeah. were they really I'm going for there that. yeah yeah <laughs> usually you know what's going on no i did kind of lose track I, I mean i'm sure if i watch it again but I you shouldn't you need to watch tv shows twice especially no. it's a children's show as well it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's famously for children yeah what do we think then about the other um characters because l- last year obviously we met graham ryan and yaz mm. and graham <laughs> johnny loves graham um johnny hates ryan <laughs> johnny hates ryan they came back and actually i think with a vengeance so chris chibnall's clearly responded either responded to the criticism or just knew anyway that mm. yaz did not get enough material last year mm. um and that's why we got a bit more yaz in this two you did in the f- in the first part yeah but then in the second she was just sort of with them the s- she I was kind of controlling true. everything and on the phone and all that stuff but she was i i don't know i th- think she sort of blended back she in she did blend yeah. back in the second but in first part though yaz's espionage kind of scenes mm. were some of my favorite scenes from the first part well i think i and i think it really highlighted as well especially those esp- espionage scenes you've got graham ryan you've got yaz and in series 11 there was a really clear motive for why graham and ryan were traveling with the doctor mm. yeah um and yaz it was like what hang on why is she here what's her motive for doing this adventuring and actually it's like oh her motive is she's a doctor who companion and she knows she's a Doctor Who companion, mm. and that's great. But when she's when there are other characters around her, mm. do you know what, what do mean? what do you mean by that? Sorry, that she well, she just, she just knows what her function in the story is, and it's to be the Doctor Who companion. Yeah, yeah. and to and sort that's of great. do the other the side quest basically. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she it it really showed. Oh, this character is is interested in being in Doctor Who stories. Yeah, and that's, that's not really something that had been that clear last year. Mm. And I think having. A police officer character, like someone that's clearly got a detective mindset. Mm. Like it's a really good kind of character to have as someone who's going to still ask questions that the viewer is going to be asking because fundamentally, you know, she's human. Mm. But she's also going to have an interesting sort of clever mind to tackle problems, Mm. which makes her, I think, way more adept than... Greg or Ryan. Call Greg Johnny. (laughs) Johnny calls Graham Greg. Every single day. Graham. Graham. Yeah. So it's Graham. <laughs> um but basically, yeah, they're they're, they're Ryan just if if his character, if it gave, if they wrote down the line in the script, Ryan now walks into e- like a wall eighteen times in a row. <laughs> I don't feel like the actor would question it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's totally in keeping with my character. <laughs> and you just in the background of the shot while they're having a conversation, just Ryan walking <laughs> into a wall <laughs> over and well, over. Well, that's quite intensive, Johnny, because he is a dyspraxic character. Well, this is the nonsense, <laughs> though. This is this is actually what the thing. I feel like the way Chris Chibnall's interpreted dyspraxia mm. in this series is he's gone. Oh, he's dyspraxia. I almost think it's it's quite offensive. Gone. He's dyspraxia, so that means he literally has no brain. He says the dumbest things <laughs> in every... It's as if he's not in what the does room. He, what does he say? He just tends to ask all the questions. Yeah. No, not even the questions. He states the obvious. Yeah, he does. Okay, if we're going to talk about stating the obvious. <laughs> right, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I want to look at Ryan for a second because I think actually with with Mandip Gill getting more, ma- more material as Yaz, it's, it's kind of exposed. At, I mean, we're supposed to be talking about the good stuff, but it's, fi- it's finally exposed 
for definite that Tosin Cole is our weak link in the cast. I can't work out if he's that bad or if just his lines are the worst. He, he can't do the voice. That's another important. And I've and I've people who listen to this are going to be sick of me saying it because I talk about it way too much. But he just can't do the voice, and it's incredibly distracting. Mm. It's incredibly distracting for me watching it and listening to what he's saying, and it's incredibly distracting for Tosin Cole because he can't concentrate on his acting because he's concentrating on doing what <laughs> yeah. that he can't do. And and it's it Why just stop Why do they have now. to be from Sheffield? I don't fucking Why, know. But they're, they're all from Sheffield. Sheffield. And I just think a but lot of But they're not all from Sheffield. Bradley well, Walsh isn't yeah. from Sheffield. That's true. And, and As they could have had it. an Essex boy. They could have had it that Ryan and Grace, because <laughs> Sharon D. Clark's not from Sheffield either. Yeah. So it could have had it that those two Big had to up. move to Sheffield because yeah. of Graham's work. And then, and then there's, there's resentment from... This accent would make sense because yeah. it would be a half London, half Sheffield it's accent. It's infuriating. Anyway, anyway. Sorry, everybody. I think that that's what he's doing, though. He's just sort of playing lip service to... Thi- sorry, p- playing? Paying lip service to things like dyspraxia, northerness. <laughs> <laughs> he's... Uh, he's uh, paying lip service so to disabilities like dyspraxia and being from the north. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> famously classed together. <laughs> but I think he is just sort of thinks okay check stuck that in don't need to actually spend any time making sure that that works mm. do we think that ryan and yaz are gonna sprout a romance this season they better fucking not i Th- bet they do though. there was a hint of it in episode one wasn't when he there? goes i'd never let that happen to you sorry wait that was actually a bad impression of that because that sounded like there was emotion in my voice <laughs> I think we're being a bit harsh. Um, he I, can't I act, don't. and his character has the worst <laughs> lines ever written in television. <laughs> right, right. The problem I have with that line really is that Ryan must surely know that Yaz is w- is far more capable than him. So if anyone's not letting someone die, it's Yaz not <laughs> letting <laughs> l- letting mm. Ryan die because yeah. they're both like. Like, because she's way more capable than him and like, it's clearly the boss in that relationship. Mm. But there's also this weird subplot about Ryan wanting to get with Yaz's sister and Yaz's sister wanting to get with Ryan. Did you spot that in episode one? There's a few lines Those, about it. Yeah. There's a slight issue here in that I didn't pay attention to... <laughs> <laughs> no, not... This is all episode one, though. But but to many of the bits that they're all in, I don't find them that interesting. <laughs> right. I, I don't, like latch onto them at all that's actually in previous series you've the families have been portrayed in such a way that you're really intrigued in the family moments when you get a quick snapshot at say martha's family Mm. as an example it was always like oh i wonder how this family dynamic works whereas Mm. here every time they cut away from the doctor's activities with the companions to just the family members you're like all right well Well, that's a tea break isn't it i think it's this is something i kind of realized the other day it's about the way the story is built and it's because so if you think back on um, series one with Eccleston with Rose, Jackie and Mickey, mm-hmm. mm. you go all the way back and think about that. The story of the season is plotted out by Russell and the rest of the writers, and the characters the are there serving the story. So like mm. it's all a narrative, and he and he gets the characters he needs for that narrative. Mm. Whereas what clearly what Chris Chibnall's approach was okay I'm in charge of Doctor Who I need some companions right let's build characters for them let's build families for them and then he decided what the stories were mm. and it's it's actually it seems like it should be the right way around mm, but it's not. actually the wrong way around because it, they're not none of the things that happen with the companions in their lives and the, f- and the families 
are important to the wider yeah. narrative of what's going on in the Doctor Who and story. You d- and if you're not in tune with that stuff and like like I haven't watched mm. any of the last series like beyond like the third episode, uh, y- you just don't, when they come on screen, you just switch off. Mm. But a- as I was saying, to return to the romance thing, mm. I think it's a bit weird if they're, if they're slightly going for a Ryan and Yaz romance, but then there's this weird subplot about Ryan wanting to be with Yaz's sister. Like well, that's just because he's not thinking about it properly, is he? Slightly well, if, hang on. Because not that he's done that yet. Doctor Who's broken a few boundaries in terms of what they've portrayed on screen. Right. Are we going to see the first thruple? What with, with, the, with a pair of sisters? Oh, God. oh no, that'd be so <laughs> horrible. That'd be horrible. Yeah, are we going to have the first incestuous thruple? <laughs> Do you know what? I hope so. <laughs> Russell T. Davis famously broke ground with Queer as Folk uh-huh. having a rimming scene. <laughs> he did, he did. On he the did, BBC. Yeah. So, what about. On Channel 4, but yeah. Yeah, on Channel 4. Incestual thruple. In on BBC Tr- Chibnall's trying to best. Chibnall's trying to best Russell T. Davis. I honestly, I really enjoyed episode one. Me I too. It, I, I really thought it was it. the. I thought it was the best script Chibnall has maybe ever written for Doctor Who. Mm. And I thought it was Jodie's best performance. I didn't hate this second one. I thought it was. Um, I Had thought it was. I thought it got so many things right, and I thought it. Uh, I thought it was really interesting how it was a departure, and I thought. It I, I enjoyed all the wacky stuff of them going to the different timelines. No, and I hated it. Would you have preferred like a a straightforward like espionage sequel to part one though? You know what? I was the child who like made sure they wouldn't mix the dolls. You were like this as well. I was like this as well. It's true. And I just, I just like things to stick to a theme. Mm. I like a fancy dress party with mm. a stronger theme, and. I think if you give yourself that like discipline and that um, structure, then what you can do with that is really interesting. If you, oh, I can't find my words. If you use it to service your plot that you don't know wh- where it's going to go, and then you just chuck it off, I think it's crap. So I think they should have just stuck to it and made it into a, or just done a one-parter. Mm. I think two parters are really hard to justify yeah and i i, I do think this kind of did justify it for me because it was very like okay the first part isn't is an espionage thriller the second part is a story about the master and the doctor and this wacky kind of world domination scheme and i think that's different enough i don't know i think i'd have been bored by a by a by two hours of the doctor versus lenny henry on a motorbike but is that only because the espionage theme wasn't that strong in the first part that of course No, I don't that think would be boring. Had they done it in a stronger no. way, I, maybe yeah. I think you I think to make a two parter work to to make a a good two parter you need one of two things. You need to have a second idea to justify the second episode mm-hmm. or you need to be the empty child. Because that's the only one that, that gets away with not having a second idea. Mm-hmm. And which is it, amazing. Yeah, it isn't the empty child, so it doesn't get it doesn't get to do one idea your, for two episodes. Your favorite episode. It is episode. my favorite. So it had its second idea, so it justified being two parts for me. Whether the second uh, whether the second part was good is kind of no object. It's like it had its second idea, so it did. Do you know what I mean? I kind of agree with you actually. Mm. The, that that makes a lot of sense. Just because it was for what for what it is worth yeah that, that that first episode was the espionage one and then mm-hmm. it turns on its head and becomes a master episode and that is it's the sort of risk he never took last year turning it into a master episode 
had he done a different twist, maybe the espionage theme would have been better to continue. But the es- espionage theme would have felt superfluous to a master episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if if knowing that that is the twist he went with, mm-hmm. then it would it would have actually been frustrating to an ep- you, you when you have a master episode that's the focus you don't mm-hmm. want to make it about anything else yeah yeah i th- so yeah i think that's true um i also think that you're approaching a lot of this from a he'd never have done this last year yeah i'm being quite like i don't want to see it like that I, i'm being quite like um i don't know what the word is to describe it apologist i'm being yeah. a bit, i'm a being a bit of an apologist because I I my listeners know didn't get on with last year. Mm. So the fact that it's it's taking risks I'm kind of like you know it, it if it doesn't I don't know if it takes risks this year even if they, if they don't pay off I'm like great because because last year was so safe and mm. so bland mm. that I'm kind of all in favor of it even if it's a total shit show mm. like part two was just it was a bit all over the place mm. but i'm like that's fine i'd rather have that than a boring five out of ten episode mm. Mm. yeah to be honest but i just have a real thing about chucking everything in plots yeah i really hate it when they clearly haven't thought about it like you know sherlock season four finale yeah dracula episode three yeah Mm. there is so much of that crap out there and it makes me mad because (laughs) you you just gotta you've got to think about stuff if you're writing you've got to be good at writing plot (laughs) i think the i think the casual viewer (laughs) kind of agrees with you that's the takeaway thank you i (laughs) honestly (laughs) think the casual viewer would probably rather sit through it's like yeah, the, the casual viewer would rather sit through a series of five out of tens mm. than like a total up and down, up and down, up and down series that mm. was really wacky. You know, I don't think I don't think the casual viewer is interested in like risky stories that are really off the wall. But I think everybody, unfortunately, like you don't have to sep- you shouldn't have to separate casual viewers from fans because it should just be good telly. Yeah, but there why, is a why have you got to choose between five out of ten or ten out of ten and one out of ten? It's true. Yeah, he can take risks and make a choice that you have to make. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Let's talk about um, how expensive it all looked. Yeah, that's actually mm. something I really liked and really fitted the the spy theme, mm. and it was like, did you watch the Night Manager? Uh, bits of yeah. That was quite high budget, I, I think. That. It was um, a John Le Carre thing with Tom Hiddleston, that bloke, Tom Hollander. Tom Hollander, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I thought it really, like all the bits with them zooming through the vineyards or whatever they were on mm. the motorbike, mm. like the production on it looked really good. Mm. And I thought that matched And the, the car theme. chase at the start of the first one where they're going back, they're reversing in the car and everything. Yeah. Mm. But then well flashy to go to the second episode the whole like silver woman thing didn't look very good i don't i don't know it wasn't like i mean it looked fine mm. it just felt a bit like measly i don't know i just didn't i didn't like that as a motif mm. and i thought mm. it could have gone somewhere interesting but it actually wasn't really okay actually on that in a sort of similar way in the first episode you have these great wide shots of the vineyard and mm. like vineyard mm. Loads of 
establishing big shots to make the world seem really world, real in this uh and it gave a sense of gravitas to the plot and then you have a reasonable segment of the second episode set in nazi occupied france mm. and you get one wide shot and then the rest is re- clearly on this sort of soundstage well, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a money thing, isn't that, it? 100%. Well, th- this is the whole point, though. They spent the money to give the establishing, like, huge sense of the world. And then, actually, in the episode where it's more about this huge plot that is across to generations in time and meant to establishing a threat that is th- weaved throughout time, you actually had a sense of, well, this 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 bit set in France felt a bit irrelevant because it didn't. It, there, there was none of that gravity. There was n- none of that sort of hugeness of... This is a classic master plot, and he has, uh, you know, got the entirety, of, you know, the, of time within his palm, mm. because it was just it. Yeah, they've got you know this room supposedly in France in 1943. And I, I think that comes back to the chucking too much at it, not being able to do any of it properly. I think if you're gonna do if you're gonna do Nazis, do it properly, and I don't think it did. Yeah. It's a bit of a we killed Hitler moment. Yeah, it's a lot of like, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a money issue, definitely. Mm. And like, again, it's like, when and how do you justify doing a two parter? And one of the reasons used to be because it saves loads of money because you have you get to use the same sets Mm. um, for 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 two of your episodes instead of one. Well, we used them then. This didn't work like that because Mm. they didn't use any of the same sets again. So mm. then the money, then it's a, it's a two-parter for narrative reasons, not for mm. production reasons, mm. which is better in theory, but it also then means you don't necessarily... And it may be that they splashed a bit of a bit more money on episode one because they knew it was going out on New Year's Day, mm. they knew it was the series opener, and they needed to impress a little bit mm. more. Um, I didn't think that the, the Nazi Germany, the Nazi France stuff um, looked bad or anything. I just, they obviously couldn't... They couldn't do loads of wides of mm. like the streets of Nazi occupied France, but but they did some. They looked okay. Yeah. Um, what do we think about? Let's get this out of the way. Yeah. What do we think about the moment where um, the doctor outs the master as an Asian person and, and damns him to being taken away by the Nazis? When he when he turns up later and he sort of says, "I've spent seventy seven years, and I've, you won't think of the places I've got to escape to." That's a bit of a sort of winker, like got out of Auschwitz. Though, I've been I? in Auschwitz. Yeah. It's just I mean, a it's not bit necessarily, like, but you know, I don't. I know it's the master, but I just don't think the doctor should be getting out of any situation by damning them to a concentration camp because of their race. Yeah, it's not an even playing field as well, especially because mm. she's white. Mm, exactly. Just, it's, I thought it's that was very dodge. So, so hamfisted. Very ill judged. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's not a doctor way of dealing with because it's a doctor way. The doctor is sort of continuously known to sort of essentially damn and refuses to kill people. It sort of kills people secondhand, mm. Mm. It like passively kills people. Yeah, yeah, and this was a passively kill people by way of massive racism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is was, not really just Doctor like, Who. It was so casual. It was a flick of the wrist. But that whole segment off, was And then casual. he got immediately surrounded by Nazis. Yeah. Mm. Like, that is fucking horrendous. It was, it's mm. p- when you put it in those terms, it's absolutely horrible. Yeah. Um, last year when they um, they accidentally did an, um, uh, an episode about how great Amazon is um, and how they're not the real baddies, um, I think it, it... I don't think for a second 
that Chris Chibnall will have been thinking of it in these terms. I think it was also partly, partly the implication was as well that the perception filter wasn't only just making him making his race not noticeable. I think it was also making the fact that he was anybody suspicious. Uh, yeah, not mm. like, yeah. And I think he's, it, it, but it's like these scripts get looked at by several people. Mm. Yeah. Like, why are we not noticing this stuff? Yeah. Like, we all noticed it instantly. Like, it was no... Yeah. And, like, if we're noticing it... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a, a, well, this it, is what I mean about, like, mm. if you're going to do it, do it well. Mm. Like, mm. if, you, if you're going to write it, write it well. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else did we like? <laughs> <laughs> not that we like that. I, I really like... Every time Doctor Who does this, generally... I like when they start playing beyond universe. Yeah. As the, as, the, okay. as the actual sort of the ultimate bad guy kind of character in this. And this is sort of, it plays into things I didn't like because it was really dissatisfying and they didn't really actually properly. I still don't really know what happened at the end to this. What are they called? The Bengal with the Sea? Kasavin. Kasavin, yeah. Well remembered. I didn't nice. remember that. Is, is that what they called? I think that's what I they called. I think it sounded right. Um, and I, but I love that sort of, throwing characters to interdimensional planes and mm. kind of questioning what this isn't uh, like a traditional alien this is something beyond this is something outside and it, how it interacts with our universe and the fact that they weren't phasing in and weren't ca- c- configured or whatever yeah, that, and that they had the they had like whatever was on the wall that was all really them. cool really like cool. i love that kind of concept when they play with that and i thought they did especially the intro of those characters and even yeah the the Wherever they were sending the Doctor and Yaz um, and Ada, 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 um, that whole area really cool. Would like to know more as to how. Yeah, I don't know. Is um, do you think this is leading actually up to a much more linear plot line for the whole series? Where actually there, because uh, just because I feel like it was so unresolved and it's not really explained what Ada was doing in that place, what. Yeah, These maybe maybe, that, maybe anyway. we'll see them again. Um, yeah. Who knows? I mean, we never thought we'd see Tim Shaw again, and we did. So you just don't know what this <laughs> what Christian was going to do. Yeah, <laughs> he was the big. You never saw that one, did you? No. That was the big reveal at the end of last season. Tim yeah. Shaw's back. Tim Tim Shaw. Tim Imagine. Yeah. Oh, what Tim Shaw? Tim Shaw pulling the strings behind all of this. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> oh my god! I just I didn't. Sorry to do this again but i just found them a bit vague in every way the kasavin i mean you forgot what they were called mm. they are literally blurry and in unclear and i just yeah, yeah. i think it would have almost been a shame if they'd been a good villain though because then it's like they're kind of wasted on a story when you've got you've already got lenny henry Tunis that's henry, true you've got but or they could have been something more yeah. interesting or just have done something they kind of just would appear and disappear and mm. then appear and disappear mm. Mm. yeah i'd like them almost do you know what because uh, we've not brought this up yet but the whole way through when we we're watching it I, this was what was going through my head is how similar and all of the good beats of this story for me were playing on the good beats of uh the john sim master and so these these uh Kasavin, a way that they could have been really, really well done and really kind of good is, yeah, totally. In his one, the Toclophane mm. weren't like that present no, no, in no. a lot of the main bit of the final story, but they were still like really well developed, really interesting, really sort of great, at, like clear motive, really tragic as well. Like there's so much emotionally going on with those characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And the Kasavan at the, a shorter the, story as well. In the first episode, pointed towards being a similar, not necessarily ex- at all similar in terms of the way they are, but something really interesting and abstract and a very new kind of um, mm-hmm. character. And then they didn't really do anything with that. And then they play with the whole sort of concept of uh, surveillance. Yeah. And watching it in the same way that John Sims master, there was surveillance. And in that, there was this real sense of terror and this mm. real sense of mm. the, like the surveillance was palpable and the way they have to go off grid that those, those scenes where they're off grid mm. is incredibly emotive when um martha's family gets taken away like incredible oh my god yeah and then the equivalent scene they played loads of those scenes again yeah equivalent were meaning i mean like the moments when they get rid of their phones in the previous mm. one in that that series is fantastic and then they go off grid and they sort of they're living by a fire and then this yeah. equivalent you had them being morons going and using just a public a red <laughs> a public telephone and you just just make they do stupid they're different characters though because in that they're one they're dumb in, characters but in that in, in the in the other one you're talking about from series three well, they had the doctor they've got and the doctor jack with, with them, them and they've got jack with yeah. them but um, at the same time there's still this element where even without that so yeah totally they'll make dumber decisions than having a time lord and a, you know a futuristic traveler with them mm-hmm. they'll make worse decisions 100 but there was once again it just was like like, like this whole series this whole sort of two episodes just felt meaningless and there, there was no there was no sense of dread no sense of um tension at all you weren't worried that something bad was going to happen to your favorite character ryan no <laughs> well actually the, i was okay. worried something bad wouldn't happen it did a lot of borrow- borrowing from that series three finale. Um, th- I mean, the first I noticed was in episode one. Um, there's a scene when they're talking about um, before the master reveal even happened, when they're talking about how Lenny Henry's character has managed to build a history for himself. Mm. And that was quite. J- and um, that's what John Simpson Saxon, does yeah. as Harold Saxon. And I remember think, and I said to my friends when I was watching it. Harold Saxon managed it, and we all kind of laughed, laughed, laughed. And then the master reveal kind of caught us out, which is kind of cool. Mm. So that was the first kind of idea that it kind of borrowed. Then you get the... It, I mean, it was most jarring in that scene when they're, they're all standing in the street, and the streets are kind of deserted, then people start filming them, like, yeah. and they're wanted. I mean, that, that just was a scene from that. That was just that, ripped yeah. from, um, from The Sound of Drums. Um, it also... Oh, the actual the Morse code as well. I quite like um, well, that. Well, the Morse code thing I didn't hate because it's a because that was a specific callback, so it felt quite weighty to me. Mm. Um, although, again, it's kind of like the Missy thing never happened because Missy's master was that not an element never of had her? The drumming yeah. in her head, you know, that was done at the end of John Sim. Mm. So it's like kind of ignoring that incarnation again but is that not just sort of doctor who being its regenerative self and calling back to For whichever sure. bits yeah. it wants it's to it's fine i suppose yeah, yeah. it's fine yeah i think i didn't like it in the moment because i was in a bit of a sort of in in my train of thought i was going oh it's just you know it's nicking the sound of drums over and over and over again mm-hmm. but actually yeah with with a bit of hindsight it is totally it felt weighty yeah there's that sense of this is an ongoing part and an accurate depiction, not an accurate depiction, but an, a, a depiction of the master's insanity that is consistent through. Yeah. Again, though, it's just like, I really enjoyed Sasha Dewan as the master. I really did. But I thought that, 
I thought that he, like we like we said earlier, he's quite a pantomime mm. kind of version of it. It's quite it evoked John Sims Master most strongly for me. Mm. That uh, that kind of very masculine aggression and everything, mm. Mm. and in the last Missy episode, um, John Sim is in it. Is he? Um, oh, I shouldn't have ruined that for you. Um, it's a really good twist. But anyway, John Sim is in it. And he plays, the way he plays it in that is very like, um, it's like the way John Hurt plays the Doctor in Day of the Doctor. It's like standing for the Master as a character. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, th- and it's mm. kind of cool because it's this this Missy incarnation who's very morally troubled kind of wrestling with the d- with her demons and her demons is her, her demon is kind of the master as a concept and johnson is kind of a stand-in okay. for that okay cool oh that sounds like great yeah it was great with it yeah but then when sasha doan comes in and kind of plays it very similar to that johnson version it's like okay well this is your new take and it's mm. and it's just basic do you think chris chibnall's watched is? all of doctor who 100%, <laughs> i really do yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. um because we've not. I really <laughs> do. <laughs> not that I'm... It's I, I keep wondering what his plan is, because I think he doesn't have one. I think he does. I think he does. I think he's J.J. He's Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> but last That's going to be the big reveal. He is actually J.J. Abrams. Yeah. 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 <laughs> last year... Yeah. He's J.J. Abrams' granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> and, J- and J.J. And Chris Chibnall's going to sacrifice... Should I not say that? Would some of your fans not have it, watched? It's fine. You've had you've had long enough to watch Rise of Skywalker now. Okay. Um, but la- la- last season, he he did a very, like, we're all fresh. It was the only season of Doctor Who not to have any recurring elements ever. Mm. Um, it was very, like, it felt embarrassed to be Doctor Who. Mm. This year, and we were talk- I was talking to you about this the other day, Kat. It, he's kind of swung the other way by the looks of it. We've got the Master in episode one. Mm. Later in the series, we've got um, Cybermen, we know. We've got Jadoon, we know. Um, at the end of this story, we got um, a Gallifrey sequence. That it's was, like yeah, that was the crazy. total whiplash opposite of what he did last year. But just tread a middle ground. Why have you, like, I just. Yeah, I'm kind of confused by I his approach. Yeah. Having like come back to it after not watching the whole of last season because mm. I felt like it was I don't know I'm just very picky and I'm not like super invested in it, but um, when they swing that far back the other way, it's like just have some convictions and and yeah and weave things in a bit mm. better and don't just like do a big fan episode. I just I felt a bit like like excluded isn't the right word but you mm. know you feel like you you don't kind of have access to the story because you don't get what it's referring to and i think that he the reason that it's that he hasn't developed the master and that he hasn't made it refer back to all the previous incarnations is because he's scared to exclude people but then he kind of is doing that by what we were just talking about we yeah I, d- I think he doesn't know yeah he doesn't know what level of knowledge or commitment to expect from the viewer. Yeah. And it is hard. I, c- I can understand why that would be hard to know that. You've mm. got to just trust them, I think. You've got to trust them. And I... Uh, yeah, but I think last year he didn't have enough... It's like last year when that when we got that um, World Cup trailer. Do you remember this, Johnny? There was a trailer they aired like halfway through a World Cup game. 
um, that was like the first bit of... Oh, wasn't it just a lot of brief shots? There's a lot of brief shots of yeah. like them sitting in cafes. And I remember saying then at the time, it's just embarrassed to be Doctor Who. There was no shots of the TARDIS in the trailer. Mm. And it's just like, I think actually the general public, if they're, if they're turning Doctor Who on, mm. they want to see some Doctor Who stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think necessarily they want like heavy mythos. No. But they mm. want... They want to see a Dalek. They want to mm. see a Cyberman. They want some. Doc- they want a canine or whatever. They want mm. some Doctor Who stuff. Mm. Um, so that's what last year got wrong. But then, I'm not sure this was necessarily right. I don't know. It would be interesting to see where the the kind of story arc mm. goes. What was? I mean, you guys had a bit of a negative reaction when the whole kind of Gallifrey reveal happened and all that at the end of the episode. So did you. You had a really negative reaction to that. I did. I wasn't going to admit that. Um, but I, yeah, I did because I, I... Go back if you want. No, no. It'll be interesting to see how it develops is all I'll say. But mm. I, I think the Time War was a story arc that happened. Gallifrey was destroyed. And then Stephen Moffat undestroyed it in a really clever way mm. that resolved that plot. But also kept it. Kept it at away, arm's length. yeah. I think Gallifrey's destroyed, but this time the Master did it, is not a particularly interesting take. Mm. It's not a particularly interesting take on the Time Lords. It reeks a bit of Chris Chibnall wanting to make the Time Lords mysterious again. Mm. And it's not the best way of doing it. <laughs> that sounds so Trumpy. Oh, lol, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it just it felt like bad. It felt like quite a classic case of slightly lazy writing where... He wrote it completely in order and wasn't really willing to go back and change core elements of why the script and was working together. So he reached that point where he was going, okay, this is the point where the doctor asks the master what the motive is. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, well, what is the motive? And he sort of looks back through the script. It's like, oh, there's not really anything there that I can pull <laughs> from. It's like, Gallif? Is it too late to bring up Gallifrey in this story? No, no. Five minutes before the end isn't too late for Gallifrey. I, I don't think it is too late. I think it's no. It totally think, was too. I know. Late. I think it's a good. It's a good like eleventh hour twist at the last minute. But like, it would be great if there was another episode next. No, if because this was it's clearly it's clearly the arc they're doing this season, yeah. right? But I don't. I don't know whether that arc is appeals to me particularly. Another thing that I picked up on that you guys didn't, um, just because I'm a big old nerd, mm-hmm. was um, they t- he talks about the. I don't know what he said, but um, the master made a reference to the timeless child. Oh, really yeah, I didn't know what that was at all. So last year, in the second episode of Series 11, um, this random alien species um, refers to the timeless child in quite an ominous way. And the Doctor's all, like, frightened and everything. And when this story aired, everyone on Twitter was like, oh, my God, the timeless child is such a, like phrase that would be the story arc what is the timeless child and it got talked about all year and then no one ever brought up the timeless child again and it was a bit of a like oh we thought that was going somewhere and and i actually i kind of made fun of people who thought it was a story arc so i was like well it's it's you've got no grounds for that being the Mm -hmm. story arc but then he said it and i was like whoa okay and that's kind of what made me think well maybe this is Maybe he has. Maybe Chris Chibnall has got a plan. Mm. I feel like I will. There's a chance I'll end up really liking this episode uh-huh. by the time I watch the season finale. Oh, I hope so. I have a feeling. Yeah, this I, hope, I have I a feeling so. this this episode now. Now the, the way you're talking about the timeless child thing, it's making me feel that this episode felt a bit messy to me watching it in the moment, and I felt like they were throwing too many elements at once. Maybe because we've just seen a series gone past that was 
very bland and very risk averse but actually this might be a series that's much more confident as you were saying in being doctor who much more confident in playing with like classic doctor who tropes and hopefully turning them a bit on that head and that you know we'll have four four or so episodes now that are you know your classic serialized doctor who then it's building to elements like playing with Gallifrey, playing with the Master, maybe playing with the Daleks as well, hopefully bringing back these interdimensional things because they're interesting. And then actually it will, it will turn it into this kind of, there's been this, there is that sort of classic from some of the earlier seasons, there is a really big plot bubbling under this series mm. the whole time. And I think some of my criticisms and reservations if he's got the right idea and if he's got this in the right hands, could end up being one of those things of just, and actually sometimes it's sometimes, even though it doesn't necessarily feel it when it's TV because you're not in it, you know, continuously, you do have to come back in every week. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, sometimes it is good to be a bit bewildered at points when watching a longer plot. For sure. And so maybe that is a slightly, this is a slightly bewildering point early on in a good story. I really hope you're right and he pays it off. It, It reminded me of series six of doctor who which i don't know whether you guys watched which Smith? which one is Matt that Smith's second series is I that the rem- one where the I thing think explodes that's where i dropped off slightly <laughs> yeah it's where lots of people dropped off and it's again very a very risky series mm. and that the way it's similar is that it, it opened with a two-parter mm. a very ambitious two-parter mm. what was the two-parter about it's called the impossible astronaut and it's all set in um it's all set in Utah, and Nixon's in it, and the Doctor dies right at the start of it. Oh, yeah, vaguely. It's, yeah, like, yeah. really big, and it throws up so many questions, and it's basically a season finale, but at the start mm. of the season, which mm. is kind of what this was. It's mm. like... Yeah, it felt very season finale. That's you're really front-loading it with the season finale. And actually, that season ends with a really messy... A re- like, a story I'm fond of, but I'm not going to tell you it's good, because it's not. Mm. I'm fond of it, but it... it tries to finish everything in 45 minutes and mm. it's a and it's basically just a farce where the <laughs> where mm. the doctor kind of runs around and fixes everything mm. and and it's a silly episode mm-hmm. and yeah. it kind of it's like you can't really flip the season around it doesn't mm. really work for the viewer so mm. i'm wondering whether chip chibnall's doing that or whether he's gonna actually just bookend the series with two mm. big finale mm. style mm. i don't I know i suppose it is a kind of finale because it's Tacked on to the end of, like it's in between them, isn't it? This this, mean? this isn't starting the new season. Oh yeah, we've got another episode next week. Oh what? So this is it. Hundred percent. Yeah. Sorry, just yeah. don't know what's going on. Okay, that's interesting. That's not actually how I've been watching it. I thought it was just gonna be floating. Oh wow. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel any differently now that you know? A that bit. Like yeah. About the Gallifrey stuff. Uh huh. Just like, like kicking I could see off the that they're, yeah, doing that in a more immediate way. I thought it was kind of like in the next six months it's gonna. Oh no. Okay, but I also, um, I don't know. It just felt too big to be tacked onto the end like that. And I think you're right. You can do an eleventh hour twist like that, that could work really, really well. But. It was kind of like the doctor was like had her blue TARDIS and was a bit sad about it. Yeah. And they were all like, "Oh, you're right." Mm. Yeah. What did it do? It just doesn't feel that new as an idea. No. Mm. There's a there's a um, again there's a Peter Capaldi episode 
where Missy tells him, um, it's when he's still looking for Gallifrey, and Missy tells him she knows where Gallifrey is and gives him some coordinates, mm. and he tries to find Gallifrey, and she's just lied to him. Mm. And he stands in the console room on his own and bashes the console with his fist in a rage for, like, mm. ages. Yeah, whereas and she just threw a remote. Well, yeah, but, but uh, as well as, like, oh, that's kind of the same scene. Like, mm. it's kind of... And they didn't give Jodie Whittaker enough time. If they're going to do the same scene, again with the bang, uh, the sound of the drums and now with this one, mm. it just seems like they they set up these scenes that were really climactic in the original version and they cut away mm. way, way too quick. When it, Do you know what? I would totally be for rehashing this plot line because ultimately, you know, Doctor Who's going going on, the master and the Doctor Who. You oh, know, yeah, for sure. They do, you do rehash plot lines and part of the magic of Doctor Who is you get these new Doctors and you get the new companions and you kind of see new takes yeah, on I these Yeah, I don't mind lines. borrowing stuff at all. So yeah, so I think that's really good but I hope if he, if Chibnall's going to s- borrow a lot from like classic Master stories we just get to see more of Jodie Whittaker's Doctor dealing with it yeah. in a new way in Jodie Whittaker's Doctor's way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's that's the key. I don't really care if he he could borrow a script from a previous this episode i wouldn't mind as long as he spends the time to go like well what makes this doctor different what makes mm. this character a new take on a character we've now seen a lot of times done mm. and that sort of that's what originally brought me back to this series mm. having lost interest in it because i was at, after a long time of going no i'm not that particularly taken by doctor who i thought you know that's a really i'm really glad they've made that decision to cast jodie whittaker mm-hmm. i can't wait to see what her doctor's like mm. and yeah. so i yeah i'd be totally for it and at the moment the, the the borrowed ideas like you say like the 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 scene in the tardis where she's angry this the the scene in the street where they're undercover like on the run it's it's kind of smaller versions of mm. the the and actually and an incidents of it being done really well was in uh, right at the start of the story in the car chase where there's the s- the sat nav Mm. Yeah. Saying, now die. That was really cool. But yeah, uh, but it's borrowed from a Sontaran story from series four. All mm. oh, right, and but like it actually, it's done in a cooler way, and mm. it's like it, it's uh, a, it's a good idea used mm. well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I really like that scene. I also the Lenny Henry chat, the whole you let us get away with all this data harvesting, mm. like it's a bit on the nose. But it w- is all true, and it and it was engaging with an issue. Mm. Yeah, last yeah. year there was none of that. It yeah, was like it's actually trying to engage with some real life. Mm. Going back politics. to positives, Lenny Henry's whole character—he was good. They he underused good. him in the second episode. Mm. I was thinking, what? Okay, T- say you were to totally rewrite these two episodes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Find something else for Sasha to want to do because he's fantastic, and I wouldn't want to lose him. Uh huh. But what if Lenny Henry had been the master? I thought that they were going to do a double reveal and actually mm. that Lenny Henry's mum might be it or... Lenny Henry's mum. <laughs> That'd have been a great twist. Wow. <laughs> what if um, what if um, Sasha Dewan had so- sort of started scratching at his face and they're like, are you okay? Mm. And he's scratching away at his cheek and it's sort of coming away, his cheek. And then he goes, what? I've just got something in my teeth. And then his face comes up. <laughs> he's Tim, Tim Shaw. Shaw. <laughs> oh, what if Lenny Henry's Tim Shaw? Could be. And he's he's pulling the strings. He's pulling the, Tim Shaw's been pulling the strings. Tim Shaw's time. behind it all. Yeah. The best bad guy ever ridden. What did we think of Bradley Walsh's uh, laser shoes? 
<laughs> Absolutely sick, right? It took yeah, me ages to notice them, actually. What? what? They didn't make much of a thing of it at all. They absolutely made such a thing of it. Do you mean when they were actually firing? Oh. Something <laughs> on the joke. Lol, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, That's no, that. I like that. <laughs> I liked how he said, oh, don't make me do your soft shoes or whatever yeah. he said. Mm. I don't know. Just like how he's like a jazzy, pearly king. Yeah, yeah, that was mm. good, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I like it. I, d- I, I resented Bradley Walsh less than... I always Ooh. resent him less than I want to resent him. He, it was he great is use funny. of his character. Great, yeah. But I, I resent him because historically I felt like Chris Chibnall is, is kind of slyly, and not deliberately necessarily, but slyly giving all the funny bits and all the wise bits to his new white man instead of yeah, his doctor. I think that's probably mm. and true. I, I think it is true, but I th- and I don't think for a second it's intentional necessarily. Um maybe subconsciously or whatever but mm. I- in but this yeah. one actually it wasn't so bad and he was he did his job of being comic relief in a kind of not yeah. way and it was fine and whenever you watch him you just think wow he presents the chase as well and he does an <laughs> amazing <laughs> job on both he does yeah it's yeah I, I did we th- were we thinking about his wig when we were watching we were talking about that over dinner, weren't we? No, I don't think about his wig. I wasn't at dinner. Didn't know about the wig until you brought it up over dinner. Did you Did you think about it then when we were watching the story? Do you know what? I think he's quite a magnetic performer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, didn't didn't think about his wig once. Wow. I, I like his character quite a lot uh, in the, the comedy role. Just, you know, bring on the old lad. He has got a dead wife, though. He's got a very serious actual foundation. Played by... Character. Sharon D. Clark, uh-huh. who's insanely good, uh-huh. and I can't believe they killed her off so quick. Yeah, so yeah. quickly, so I quickly. still think about that. Do you think she was going to be in the main thing, and then she read some of the scripts <laughs> and just went to Chris Chibnall? He's like, actually, sorry, I'm not. My playing. agent just mentioned that I could do Death of a Salesman <laughs> at the Old Vic, and your thing looks <laughs> rubbish compared to that. This is this is Arthur Miller, Mil- Miller, Chris. Come on. One, one Come on, they, Chris. One thing they've been quite good at, though, actually, is um, last year there was a photo of, a publicity photo of Jodie, Bradley Walsh, Tosin Cole, Mandit Girl, and Sharon D. Clark mm-hmm. on set in, like, a action pose with Jodie in the costume. Mm. So they... It doesn't make sense in terms of the story because Grace dies before the Doctor ever gets in that costume. Mm. Okay. So they staged that photo basically to yeah. so fans wouldn't see the death coming. Right. And then this year, loads of the trailer and loads of publicity shots are shots where Sasha Dewan should be there. Right. And they digitally removed Sasha Dewan. Right. Um, so we didn't even know who was in the series. Okay. Interesting. Um, so that's kind of quite savvy mm. publicity yeah. work, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. Um. Although actually, I don't know. I did. I d- no. It's, it's fine because I didn't see. I didn't see the reveal coming. But they do make quite a big. Before his character shows up in part one, they make quite a big deal of like, oh, there's this guy I used to know. Mm. They big up his character, don't they? Mm. And then you show up and it's like, oh, it's someone we've never met before. And I actually rolled my eyes a bit at that yeah. at the time because I was like, oh, this is classic Chris Chibnall again. Mm. Yeah. Thinking we should be impressed by an esteemed British actor. Yeah. And that's not what Doctor Who's about. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, we've got Sasha Dewan. Like, yeah. I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. fine. Stephen Fry. Um, well, yeah. Um, but then it wasn't that, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, I th- I think 
I really liked him in the first episode. I thought mm-hmm. he was really good. I really liked, speaking of like, not speaking of because we weren't, but ripping things off a bit. I really liked how Stranger, Stranger Things that house was. And, and the how upside down. Yeah, mm-hmm. and how those things approached the house. And at that point, they hadn't, they'd only just appeared, so they hadn't stayed as blurry figures for the whole mm. two episodes. Mm. But I... I really liked how freaky that was and it was really scary. I found mm. that really scary to watch, mm. Mm. which I enjoyed. Johnny, before yeah. we end the episode, oh, you can I bring up my plane theory? The plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got one more opinion as I've well. I've got one more as well. Okay, we'll All do right. Johnny's opinion, then Kat's opinion, then mine. So, I don't understand why if the Doctor had all the time to rig up the plane so it had instructions on how to land it, why she couldn't have just found a way to make the bomb not go off it's tricky isn't it once you start once you start letting the doctor go back and fix stuff with time travel you're opening a real can of worms mm. or just you know she's she's going back like the whole thing and, and she's going back to a point previously when she now knows the master is on that plane yeah yeah it's a can of worms that's been opened and you've got to be very very careful actually um so yeah if you've got a if you've got a good explanation for that please email us Let's see your pod at gmail.com. I know they deadlock sealed the bomb, but I feel like even I know deadlock the, the implication of deadlock seal is that Sonic can't solve it. But if you've got months of planning, mm. just you know, a rock probably could if you had yeah. the right kind of rock yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah. So, just just a small note that I had. Uh, onto what, what? What was your name? I've just—I've been trying to remember it the whole time you were talking, and I can't remember my oh opinion. Oh God! It was going to be so neat. We we're going to finish with three know, small I'm opinions. Is there anything we can do to like tease it out of your brain? Just punch me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Jodie Whittaker looked great in a tuxedo. That was my opinion. Better than in a normal costume. Yes. You hate that costume. I don't, don't like that costume, even yeah. though I literally sort of have it by accident. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I I thought she looked really good, and I thought um, it was great how they that bit where they're all marching into that big villa. I really like that visually. Mm-hmm. But you you mentioned that you quite like the co- when she was in the costume, but without the long coat. It looks y- better. Yeah, you yeah. quite like that. There, I thought that was quite good. With the, with the, I the, think the they suspenders should. was. Yeah, I, I think that's the bit I don't like. Oh, I think mm. that's cool. I really like the 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 jumper and the trousers. You don't like the, the braces. The braces are mm. just so 2010. I think they should give her a massive cardigan. I think that would be the solution. No. Big cardigan. You don't. You know. You're not looking at me like you agree. Um, my final opinion was also a clothing-related one, and it was in the very first um, couple of scenes when Ryan is playing basketball with his friends. Why is he dressed like that? What's he dressed like? So I he's dressed like, like he is for the rest of the episode in like a denim shirt and a, and a nice jacket. Oh, and he should be in All sports of his friends clothes. Are yeah, in sports clothes. <laughs> the reason that he's in that is because they know. Okay, MI6 are going to pick him up now, and he's going to do the rest of the episode, and we don't want him to be in basketball stuff. They could have done something so um, tiny. I mean, it's not that, that long into sense. it that he has to change into a tux anyway. Well, exactly. It it, it stuck out to me immediately. Mm. I just, just there's a lot of that in there, isn't there? I don't actually care about that. that was Sloppy. Obviously. I was sort of being self parodic, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. On the whole, I think the costume's pretty good, but I just don't like her Rain Max situation. No, I don't like it either. Mm. Uh, should we wrap up? 
good. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, just like last year, you can follow Johnny on Instagram at the Shape of Mud. Although you don't really post on there anymore, do you? What about uh, Mill Mondays? Mill Monday. Well that's more Ellen. But to be honest, I think she she'd be glad for the followers, and it's a great channel that she's doing. So yeah, Milk Mondays on Instagram. Good Instagram story. Kat? Uh, I can't remember any of my handles, and I'm. You don't care. <laughs> you don't want Dot Two fans to follow you. That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can follow us as per usual at GalazioPod. You follow me at Molly underscore Martian. You can email us at GalazioPod at gmail dot com. Um, next week uh, I am back with another podcast um, about episode three, and that is going to be with my good friends Sarah Garnham and Connor Johnston. Uh, thank you so much. See you again next time. Bye.